Hello, I'm Sarah Hall, Watch Commander at Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. Welcome to the Women in the Fire Service podcast, a show for those who champion equality and diversity in fire. Did you know only 7% of all firefighters in England are women, or that less than 5% are from an ethnic minority? In our first ever podcast series, we give advice and encouragement to people of all genders considering careers in the fire service. Volunteer hosts like myself talk about our experiences as firefighters and answer all your burning questions on joining us. Want to know what you can do to stand out from the crowd when applying for a role in the fire service? Well, that's precisely what we're going to help you with in this episode. You'll get lots of tips and advice to help boost your confidence and focus. Be inspired. Be a future firefighter. So I'll start with a very quick introduction. So I'm Liana Sotka-Jones and I'm here representing Cambria Fire and Rescue Service. I'm station manager at People Development and sort of Assurance Department. But actually here today, I'm as a Women in the Fire Service sort of representative and host of this session. And I'll be sharing my own journey, which hopefully will help you uh, with sort of application forms and interview techniques uh, as and when you get to that stage in your process when you apply for your prospective fire services. I'm here joined uh, today by my colleagues uh, Nicola Bottomley and Sarah Hall, so I'll give them the opportunity to sort of introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Nikki Bottomley. Um, I work in Gloucestershire Fire and Rescue Service, um, and again, like Liana, I'm here representing women in the fire service to do the best that we can to help you get through to the next stage, really. It's been a fantastic journey for, for myself, and I just want to see uh, people succeed and have the same sort of journey um, as, as I've had, really. So looking forward to meeting you throughout this session and answering whatever questions we can. Hiya, it's, uh, I think most of you have seen me in the previous two sessions. I'm Sarah, I'm in Hereford and Worcester and we've got a really nice mix tonight. We've got uh, Liana up in Cumbria, I'm in the, the Midlands and uh, Nikki is down in uh, Cornwall, although she works for Gloucestershire. So we, we are spanning the entire country, which is one of the unexpected benefit of lockdown and uh, using all this uh, technology. So I'm sure that's the same for everybody in this uh, room as well. I bet you're from all over the place. So yeah, hello again. Thank you, ladies. So as I already uh, said, today's session is, I believe it's week three, it's a future firefighter programme, and it will cover application forms and interview techniques. One thing I want to sort of say to you all, you know, we've all been where you are now, you know, we all have gone through some sort of process to become firefighters and then to progress through different sort of ranks or roles in, in the sort of different services. So we really appreciate the kind of where you are now. And, you know, me personally, actually, it took me 10 years to be successful in the process. So, you know, I can say one thing, never give up. So even if you're not successful at the first hurdle, seek for that feedback, ask, uh, you know, how you can improve uh, sort of for future sort of processes. And, you know, Jenny, if this is something that you really, really want to do, don't give up. And I'm just sort of proof of the pudding that, you know, I got there eventually. And since I was successful, then I have progressed uh, relatively sort of swiftly. But you no, know, I didn't give up at the very, very first hurdle. And so I'll talk about my journey throughout the presentation a little bit later, but just wanted to start with that. So, you know, don't give up, 
believe in yourself, you can do this. And statistically, a lot of the people, often people don't actually pay enough attention to it or don't know how to structure their answers. And they might be the most remarkable candidates, but because it's a really, really a competitive process, if you don't quite stand out in your application form, uh, unfortunately, sometimes we can't shortlist you. So the aim of today is literally to go through some of the shortlisting criteria uh, to give you understanding of how we uh, assess uh, against the Roam-Up National Fire Chief Council's Code of Ethics and Leadership Framework, which will then in turn will allow you to kind of align your answers accordingly to the assessment criteria. It'll also outline the importance of researching the role of a firefighter and the service and what sort of service delivery we uh, sort of deliver. And again, the first two sessions in this sort of future firefighter program was on the role of a firefighter and the role of the fire service. So again, hopefully that, you know, has given you that kind of heads up of what to expect, but we'll cover that a little bit more detail during today's session as well. Then we'll look at sort of how to present your application form so that you stand out, so that you could really sell yourself and so that you uh, kind of, you know, put all the sort of skill sets and all your values and behaviours in, in a way that the fire service sort of, you know, panel who shortlists your application form sort of selects you and hopefully you stand out as a candidate. There are various sort of recognised techniques that you could use when you are uh, formulating your answers, regardless whether that's your application form or whether that's at the interview stage. And we're going to look a little bit more in detail in sort of a, a model that's called STAR model. And that's a quite a recognised model that we use in fire service. So I'm really hoping that that will be a, a useful tool for you. And then finally, we look uh, a little bit and just like the HI information, because this is delivered nationally. Uh, we sort, sort of, you know, we don't have necessarily the knowledge of how things are done in every single service. So we're going to look at kind of generic sort of HI information that will be uh, sort of kind of general. But we also encourage you to, when you go for the process, to, you know, get in touch with that recruitment team or HR team and make sure that they sort of, you know, give you that input. What is the eligibility criteria locally as well? Okay, so those are the aims and objectives. Lots to cover. So... Any application form, usually it's sort of when you're actually formulating your answers, what we're looking at as a sort of shortlisting panel, we're looking at sort of how are you meeting uh, sort of roll up or job specification criteria. And it's usually assessed against sort of uh, either core values or uh, sort of codes of ethics. A National Fire Chief Council has recently introduced a code of ethics Kind of values if you like and behaviors that we want you to portray and if you portray these behaviors and values uh, you're more likely to be suited for the role of a firefighter and so when you're completing your application form quite often uh, you know we want to hear about you how have you actually put your communities first is there something that you've done that's helped the communities you know there might be some voluntary work that you've done you might be part of a community uh, group you might have and something during the recent pandemic to support your local community. We as a fire service are very community focused. And if you already got those examples, that's something that will make you slightly different from other applicants. Because what you have to remember, depending on the service that you're applying for, you know, you'll be competing against thousands of people. So it's almost like it's really, really important that you stand out. And so if community 
So, you know, putting your community first is one of the kind of codes of ethics or, or value. You know, if you've got examples of how you've done that, that will already put you kind of almost uh, in a better position, okay? Dignity and respect, integrity, leadership, quality, diversity, inclusion. Again, if you have examples of how you trade those values and behaviours, makes you stand out because it shows that you fully understand the values that we are kind of living every day as a service. And especially at the moment, equality, diversity, inclusion, if you've done your research about the sort of fire sector in general, currently we are, you know, promoting that, you know, attracting a more diverse workforce, which, you know, we're trying to diversify the role of a firefighter. So if you already have examples of perhaps you have supported somebody from an ethnic minority, or perhaps you might be, you know, fall under sort of a protective characteristic yourself. You know, if you're comfortable with that, share that kind of experience and, you know, and, and how you have sort of used that to develop yourself or to support others. And that will come in again, that will make you slightly different from uh, perhaps uh, other applicants. So this is not necessarily something that we, you know, don't, we don't want you to use these as buzzwords. We can kind of get a little bit... Uh, you know, we, we don't want the jargon, you know, we want you to understand the codes of ethic or values of your service, but we actually want to know how you portray those values. And if you get to the interview stage, have a think about what are actually your own values? Because we might have a set of values as a service that we're trying to promote, but actually come with your own values. What can you bring to the fire service? How are you actually different? So again, Start thinking about the kind of values and behaviours and that will put you in a, in a very kind of good position because you really have, will have that mindset. And then a lot of the services use what we call leadership framework as part of the sort of assessment criteria. And leadership framework is more useful for leaders when they want to sort of progress through the organisation. But the very first segment of leadership framework is about leading yourself. And what we want to see is how are you, uh, you know, how have you developed yourself? How have you actually self-reflected in your own performance, either, you know, at work or perhaps in any kind of voluntary organization that you sort of represent? Or even maybe, you know, if you're a school or if you're a student, your kind of educational sort of establishment. And we want to see that self-reflection and how you actually, how are you actually developing and leading yourself? Because it starts with you and then, as you progress, as you kind of go further into the sort of, you know, service, that's when you start sort of developing others as well, okay? And it's very, very important, you know, we as a fire service, and, and I can speak sort of nationally, we promote organizational learning, but the learning can't sort of start if you don't identify your own kind of areas for improvement and learn from that. So we kind of promote that you are continuously developing and reflecting on your own learning and if you can again show that in your application form and give some examples of perhaps you made a mistake but how you then rectified it how you then make sure that you're not making that mistake again and how you then you know kind of almost supported others as a result and reflected it's all about evaluating so uh, Sarah and Nikki is there anything you'd like to add yeah, really, just to support what Liana's saying there is that uh, whatever you're faced with on the application form and it, later on in the in the interview, it's important that you look at what you can contribute towards those values, whether it be the code of ethics or whether it be specific values to the service that you drive, uh, you're joining. And they won't look much different from what's there in front of you now. And, and don't underestimate what you've already done. 
it's um, don't think well I haven't done this or I haven't been part of I haven't shown integrity somewhere you will have um, it's just exploring how and what that means to you and as Leanna said it's important you demonstrate how you've done it and it, because we want to see you we don't want a million Nickies, we don't want a million Lianas and a, a, a million Sarahs in the fire service. We want you. Um, so it's really important for you to, to have a think about, you know, leadership in there. However it's phrased, it will be around being part of a team, leading a team. You'll have done it at some point and at some stage. So it's just having a bit of a think, really, and don't get stuck on it. Well, I haven't done this. You will have. Ask people, ask other people um, that you're close to to um, maybe say, where have I demonstrated this? I'm thinking that, but I'm not quite sure or I'm stuck on this. They'll go, well, you, there was that time you did this. So that's all I'd say is just don't um, close yourself off if you think you haven't done something. You know, what a lot of people find quite difficult um, when they come to things like fire service applications is actually bigging themselves up. And it's about being honest and it's about being authentic and sort of, you know, we don't want, you do not put something that you, definitely haven't done because you might get asked about that and that is the worst feeling in the world when you're suddenly put uh, on the spot but we tend to talk about our own achievements like oh well I was part of a team who did this and we did that and what it's it's a real challenge to sort of turn that around and say I did this and I thought of that because it's not really something that we do in real life is it we tend to try and sort of be modest and and so it, it can feel quite alien to start sort of like you know crowing about yourself in a, an application but that's what you need to do there are so many people going for each job that you have to put that to one side and it's not big-headed and it's there's nothing wrong with it this is your opportunity to tell us exactly what did you do what was your contribution to that don't tell us about like what the team did and you were kind of on the on the sidelines you know be very proud of your own contribution thank you ladies okay so we're going to move on to the sort of presentation again this is not you know this is not Google sort of research, this is pretty much, you know, what has worked for me and also, you know, what has worked for Nikki and Sarah as, and kind of uh, all the other kind of uh, representatives from Women of Fire Service, we've run past this. But, you know, as I already mentioned, and you're going to hear me say this throughout this whole presentation, you know, first impressions really matter. You need to stand out. And that's the kind of key thing. Whatever you do, the way you present your application form, it's very, very important to stand out. Okay, think of those examples that makes you different and make sure you really, really sell yourself. And then, as Sarah said, it's not kind of natural, but this is your opportunity and you have to do it. Okay, with actual written application form, it's really, really important to check your spelling, punctuation, accuracy, grammar. Quite often the services uh, actually use this as a shortlisting criteria. This is very much, if you don't uh, portray good sort of you know use of grammar or punctuation you can lose marks so this is kind of very important you know ask somebody either if you've got a friend or a relative or somebody you could trust and you know get that second pair of eyes uh, to cast over your application form shortlisting criteria and, and in the brackets i put in word counts so in some services this is something you need to double check word count is really key when you answer something your question check how many words they have allocated uh, so sometimes they say, you know, use 200 words to answer this question. And if let's say you only used 50 words to answer the question, it might be the best answer you could give the model answer if you haven't utilized the word count given. 
some services might use that as a you know uh, as an opportunity to not even to kind of during the sift not even select your application form so use the workout almost as a kind of to judge how much you should write in each section and please please if it says use 150 words make sure it is 150 words if it says 500 500 if it says 20 20 use that really carefully because it would be a real shame for you for you not to be sifted just on a kind of such a sort of technology as a work count but because there's so many applicants so sometimes you know services might have to both sift through thousand application forms so this is kind of almost an easy way for them to kind of sift through and if you haven't actually listened to that instruction and you haven't utilized the work count they they've got that you know opportunity to kind of yeah that you know instructions not being followed and so this is quite a key structure different services might have different application forms some might use if they are a county council led advice service they might have a county council uh, sort of already a kind of a template an application form some might be run by the fire authority and they might have a slightly different so look at the actual application form but the key thing is when your candidate pack when you receive that you know as part of your kind of when you kind of put your express your interest, you will actually have a job spec. Some services call it a roadmap. Some you know, services might call it job description. But look at that roadmap and make sure that your kind of examples are aligning with the roadmap. And that way you are, you know, definitely covering what they're expecting you to cover. And I already mentioned about the sort of spelling, punctuation, application grammar, but make sure you proofread it, you know, start your application form, come back to it the following day, you know, take your time, don't rush it. And when, if it's an online application form, quite often you log into it and you start sort of answering your questions, you start filling it in, it usually saves it where you left it. So there isn't a real rush to complete it then and there. And I always encourage people to take their time because we have had candidates who sort of they think, oh, if we rush it in and if we submit it first, it might show that we are keen and, you know, and then they don't actually have the time to proofread it or have a thing about it. So take your time with proofreading and sort of, you know, kind of structure your answers accordingly to the roadmap as well. Okay, so I'll let uh, other two um, so co-hosts opportunity to come in if they want to come in at this point. Just, um, just to reiterate again what Liana said there about the structure against the role map, really. Mm -hmm. um, and my advice there is, is where there will be essential and desirable criteria, so you'll have come across those terms. Where you're looking at those, you need to show in your application that you've, you've reached those essential criteria and you need to demonstrate how you've reached them. Um, we can't guess. You, everything on a piece of paper, whether you know the person that's, um, you think you know the person that, that's going to be marking this, they don't know. You are a piece of paper and your information is on that paper. You need to set us a, a picture of who you are. Yeah, that's really important that you, you hit one of those marks because that's showing us that you can do one of those things. Thank you. Another thing that um, I found quite difficult when I first started applying for fire services, and uh, it took me two years to become whole time, get other people to look, read through your application. And again, that might be something that you're really reluctant to do because you think, oh, I don't want to waste someone else's time or I don't want to, you know, be a pain and be asking. Put it under everyone's noses. I mean, as we all go through promotions, me, Liana, Nicola and I, we, we rely on the people that we can trust going to and asking for advice. And it's 
quite soul destroying when you've worked really hard and you hand it to someone and they say oh yeah I'd start again on this question and you just think oh I've spent so much time but it takes so much time to go for an application throw everything you have uh, everyone you do because no matter how boring you think it, the process of it might feel you might be waiting another year you might be waiting another two or three years before you can apply again so if you're serious really really take it to people get talk to people in the fire service um if they're not involved in the process themselves most people who, who will have had an experience of marking or working in that um in that system they'll have a look through and obviously they may not give you the exact advice you need but they will give you some sort of pointers and they will like look at how they would have marked it if it was them so do not be shy about getting to know people and sort of saying please read my application please read my application and don't feel that people won't want to do that we've all had to do it so really take that very seriously thank you sir okay so as they mentioned um that we're going to look at sort of recognized um, uh, sort of model quite often people sort of when we, they're filling in application forms they don't quite know where to start how to sort of structure it structure it and what we're quite sort of keen to use in fire service is what we call star model and it's a recognized technique and quite often people use it in the interviews as well but in any sort of you know when you're describing a situation go into a bit more kind of almost a, a background uh, tell what the situation was what it kind of involved and then what was the task in it that you performed and you know perhaps what task you were given and how it then resolved in an action and what was the outcome it. And if you sort of use this star model when you're formulating your answer, it almost gives you that, you know, structure. But what you have to be a little bit careful, some people are better at it than others. And if you're going to use it in your written application form, be mindful of that work count. Because if you're going to use, you know, 10 sentences to set the scene and then go into all the tasks where and the actions, you know, sometimes it can kind of take a lot of your work count that maybe you're not giving enough, you know, you're giving kind of almost just one example where perhaps you could have used two or three. So, you know, if you feel more comfortable with using the style model, you know, if you get to the kind of interview stage, that's probably where it's kind of uh, even more suited because verbally, you know, you can kind of talk in, uh, into a bit more detail. But, you know, style model it is very much sort of fire service, uh, uh, kind of a lot of the services use this, but maybe your service might use a, a different kind of technique. So when you apply, you can actually ask the recruitment team, you know, are you, is the expectation for me to use the star model when I'm structuring my answers? And then that way you're showing that you understand it and you kind of, you know, they will guide you. Uh, but, you know, in this sort of my experience, I worked in Gloucestershire and now I'm in Cumbrian Fire and Rescue Service. You know, star model was very well used. And actually, as a sort of a person sitting in a panel and kind of like shortlisting the application forms, if I'm actually seen recognizing that star model it also shows me that you've done your research and you are aware of this sort of recognized technique and and so again it might not be for everyone but it's a really good tool to have in your toolbox when you're applying okay so i don't know nicola sarah is there anything you want to kind of add on this yeah um again as, as Liana said, this is this is just one model that can be used when you're structuring answers. For me, um, I go off on a tangent. I like to talk, <laughs> so it just keeps me on track. <laughs> when you use something like this, it actually um, helps you to bring together your answer um, so that you know you are actually answering the question, because that's really important. We do quite often have uh, interviews and applications where people really just don't answer the question, so you can't score them on that. Um, 
just really briefly so you've got you can see this in front of you the star model situation so what were you doing were you at school were you part of a team were you at work were you um, a manager what what was that that what was the situation why were you in that situation the task what did you have to do oh as part, so my situation as part of um, my netball team task I was um tasked to organize the tour um, the action, what did I have to do as part of that? I had to work out when people were available. I had to work out transport costs, venues, those kind of things. And what was the result? Well, we got to the tournament, everybody was safe, um, oh, and we won. You know, so that's what we're looking for there. What's that's why and how you would use that uh, that model. So that's it's just one. Um, it isn't one that everybody uses, um, as Liana said, but it's great. I use it a lot um, because it does just keep me focused. And on that point, I'll keep it short. <laughs> yeah, it's a very simple model. It's just telling a story and it's one that you can practice. You can practice this every day, just selling any sort of story. Just think, just practice using that, those four elements and it's something that you can get used to doing. So you're not in that situation in a... Uh, where you're sat there under pressure in an interview and, and your mouth's gone dry and you suddenly just practice it. You can practice it every day. You can practice it, talk to your friends and just ask, tell them what you're doing. And just talking about anything, you can just fit anything into this, which is why probably so many of us like it. Thank you, ladies. And thanks, Nikki, for actually, you know, putting in an example that was I was going to sort of finish off with that, but it's a great example. And the main thing is, no, no, brilliant. Mine, mine wasn't as good as yours anyway, so well done. But the main thing I want to kind of go back to where I said at the beginning about that learning and kind of reflecting. And if you look at the results, so R from the STAR model, that's again the opportunity for you to show that you have evaluated you know, your own kind of development and how have you kind of then improved uh, based on this situation? What would you different if you were kind of put in that situation again? And again, it shows that you are continuously, you know, evaluating your own kind of performance and that, that result bit actually, or the, you know, the outcome is really, really important. And uh, if you can kind of, especially in your interview, if you always end your answer by saying, and you know, what I have learned from that is the result was, and what I've learned from that, if I were to be put in this situation again, this is what I would do different because it shows that you've got that reflective mind. And I find that that's always, always shows um, that you are kind of evaluating your own performance and again that goes back to that leadership framework about leading yourself and that kind of links back to kind of some of those values that we you know showed you at the very beginning as well i also want to give you opportunity to sort of ask us questions so i think we've sort of nearly there halfway through and uh, so got now the hr information i mean this is very much i'm going to kind of cover some of the Sort of general uh, information but this is something that I would definitely definitely advise you to sort of speak to your services and the HR teams or if you're dealing with the recruitment um, sort of officers or recruitment managers or recruitment teams because this might be kind of a different service to service but in general on any application form you'll have an opportunity to declare uh, sort of any additional learning needs any sort of you, you might have sort of a um, dyslexia or, or an additional kind of um, learning need or it might be a disability and please please do not feel that this will prevent you from actually being successful the reason we ask you to declare it so that we as an employer we want to be an inclusive employer and what we want to do is we want to make sure that we tailor the application sort of process to meet your individual needs 
And if we're not aware of a, perhaps a disability or a dyslexia or any additional kind of support that you might need, we cannot put that reasonable adjustment place and and time and time you know I, I have people come to me and they they are almost worried to declare that they might have dyslexia and you know what in fire service we actually have a lot of uh, our sort of staff who are dyslexic because actually being dyslexic yeah you might have sort of uh, additional learning needs but actually it makes you uh, really well suited for some of the critical thinking that we need for you to perform on a sort of instant ground. So again, it just will allow us as, as an employer to adjust the process accordingly and find out how we can support you because we're all different, we all have different needs. So I'm myself, English is not my first language and actually when I first time applied for fire service, I fell at this very first hurdle because I was reading the questions and I didn't really quite interpret them well enough and I didn't, you know, didn't obviously didn't do a very good application form. But what I did afterwards is I, I seek that feedback. I worked on my English, I went to college and now here I am delivering the session to you. So I feel very passionate about this. If I wouldn't have, if I would have had the kind of courage to declare my additional learning needs at the time, I might have had a bit more time to complete my application form or maybe some reasonable adjustment would have been adapted. But in my case, I was too sort of embarrassed to say, well, actually, English is not my first language. But, you know, so that's why I'm really, really encouraging you to do that. Because ultimately, we want you. And if you are different, you know, it means that, you know, we need to tailor the support to support you. And we, but we need to know that. And also, if you don't declare it, then, you know, support might not be in place. And then again, it'll be quite, so you, you will make that kind of journey just a little bit harder for yourself. Okay, exactly the same with any criminal convictions. As part of the sort of process, there will be a full DBS check. They'll be checking if you have got any sort of criminal records. You need to declare it. If you don't declare it, this is the point that they could actually uh, sort of stop your journey with, with the fire service. If you declare it, that it doesn't mean that any previous criminal conviction, spent or unspent, will prevent you from progressing further. It just means they'll be looking at the individual circumstance. It will all be kept confidential, and it will be put in front of a panel, and they will look at you know, how, you know how you how have you kind of you know developed yourself. And how have you kind of, um, you know, bettered yourself as an individual? So it doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful, but it needs to be declared because otherwise, uh, again, it might prevent you from pro progressing further. And again, H your individual HR department will be able to give you a bit more sort of guidance on it. At the application form stage, quite often it's just a tick in the box. Yes, I do have additional learning need, or yes or no, I'm, you know, I haven't got sort of criminal uh, rec uh, conviction or criminal record. Okay. And as I already said, just be honest in your declaration because, you know, we want to kind of find out about you and how we can support you. Every service will have a different initial eligibility criteria. Quite often when you apply, you will get like a candidate pack. Some services might call it something else, but like in your candidate pack or the information email that you receive when you initially express your interest, there will be that initial eligibility criteria. Check with the team. Quite often it might be uh, some services require you to have a driving license. So, you know, if that's a criteria, you need to make sure you have a driving license. And the reason for that is that, you know, you, you might be going to be expected to go to training courses or community engagement using a service vehicle. Some services, that might not be a requirement. So, again, you need to check that. And also, um, you know, with uh, especially now that we're kind of, you know, no longer part of EU, just make sure that you have that eligibility to work in the UK. Uh, and again, that's something if you, if you're unsure about anything, just go to the HR department. And 
I believe one of the sessions uh, next week will also cover a bit more of the sort of HR information. So you'll have an opportunity to ask more kind of HR related questions. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of that's everything for me on this slide. But if Nikki and Sarah would like to come in and give their input, thank you. No, all good. I think you've covered everything there. Uh, I was 43 when I was uh, diagnosed as dyslexic after always kind of struggling with application forms. Uh, and my last process was the first time I declared it. And I'm really glad I did. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a magic wand, but um, I get a little bit more reading time now because I've had a proper report done. And it, it's, it's not making things unfair. It's just, it's, it's worth, if you think that it's something, it might be something it's worth looking at and uh, investigating. Thanks, Sarah, for sharing your personal experience as well. Thank you. So, I mean, interview techniques, this is not... <laughs> not a list that kind of you know there's there's more things you can think about but these are just a few things that I know that worked for me and I know that worked for my colleagues so but as I already kind of mentioned you know use star model to structure answers where you can and in 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 a sense we already covered that in a slide but that will give you that opportunity to structure answers it's always really difficult you come to a panel you know you might not actually have had an experience of being in an interview before so you know this is just your way of making sure you're not, you're not going off topic, that you're kind of, you know, covering what uh, they want to hear and so that they can actually mark your, your kind of um, experience and mark it against the set of criteria. I personally always start with actually, you know, when you introduce yourself, Anna, I always tell them, do you mind if I actually write down questions? Because that gives me that kind of a couple of minutes, actually just a bit of breathing time. Oh, they've asked me this question. By writing it down, I can also then look at it. Oh, have I covered that? Because we in fire service um, are quite bad at quite quite often we ask sort of questions that actually they are they are kind of two or three part questions. So in one question you actually have three questions to answer. So they might say, you know, uh, are you aware of the kind of you know transformation journey that we are on? What is the role of the fire service and what do you think about the diversifying the role? And so before you know it, there's three elements of that one question. So you need to show the awareness of the role of a firefighter, you need to be aware of the sort of journey that the fire service is on in diversifying the role and you also need to you know show kind of that the kind of behaviors that might make you the right you know for that kind of role as well so by writing it down you that way you are giving yourself the opportunity to break it down and actually go back to it. oh have I covered the role have I covered the set have I covered this so and that kind of helps take your time you know, you will be uh, given time for an interview again every service might be different but pace yourself and I'm particularly bad at this because I'm full on 100 miles an hour at full speed. If the interviewers have actually heard enough, if they kind of covered everything that they need to cover, sometimes they might say, they might stop you and say, uh, you know, we stop now, we'll move on to the next question. So don't be kind of faced if they interrupt you, you know, whilst you're talking, because at the end of the day, it's sort of like if they've heard enough, they, they kind of, they've got usually a full day of interviews and kind of, they're not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to get all the time in a day to sort of answer the questions. So hence that structure again is very important because it allows you to kind of structure answers. I already talked about the buzzwords. It's good to, you know, mention the core values, 
or the codes of ethics, or you know, show that you research the service, that you understand the role of a firefighter, but we don't want the buzzwords. What we want is that, that, to see that passion, to see that how are you different? We wanna see, we wanna find out about you. We want to find out, you know, why do you wanna to come to the service and what you can you know, bring to the table. And you know, sometimes the, the best people that I've interviewed is actually not the people who know your uh, legislation inside out or, or the kind of, uh, you know, um, sort of the kind of uh, policies and procedures, but the people who actually come across with genuine passion uh, for the job, for the community, and kind of, I always find that that passion really shines through. So make sure that you kind of practice that and make sure that, you, you know, you're telling us about your own experiences. And we already talked about the kind of application form uh, stage, but what I find quite often, you might put things on an application form and then people tend to forget that or then don't look at the application form. The interview is almost like an opportunity for you to go back to your application form. So what examples did I use there? And actually expand your examples because then that shows that you, you know, you've already talked about it in, in a little bit of detail and that gives the opportunity for you to go into a bit more detail on your actual interview. So link it back to your application form because that's where you aligned it to that job specification. And I personally, when I go to any interview, regardless of what sort of sort of level, I usually go there with five or six examples of how I am actually, uh, you know being a good team player, how I've been inclusive, how I've dealt with the challenging situation in my life and, and how I have sort of, you know, supported my local community. And quite often, it doesn't matter what question is asked, I can almost turn those, you know, the, the, the sort of the examples that I have uh, to answer that question. And if you have got all those, those, almost those kind of set examples in you, you can kind of tailor it to the question. It's a bit of a skill and it takes a little bit of time to practice. But again, think of you know, all the things that uh, we want for you to, sort of the behaviors that we want you to kind of portray as a firefighter. Think of, of those examples, go back to those codes of ethics and you know, how have you supported your community? How have you been inclusive? How have you given people equal opportunity to succeed or, or to be part of something? And again, that will give you that, opportunity to kind of really um, explain that in, in your interview okay um, most of the things I kind of already covered but you know from personal experience interviews uh, usually you know again all the interview panel uh, you know you, you usually have a, like a mixed panel there'll be somebody from staff sort of staff panel there'll be somebody from HR looking at that kind of HR perspective you might have somebody from the council because we're part of that you know if, if services council led they're part of that kind of wider um, organization and for some people you know you might have different ranking officers each service will have different panel but remember they're all being where you know there as a kind of you know as the people who are being interviewed as well as interviewees so they'll know how you feel they'll try to put your ease they are going to try to get the best out of you so don't kind of feel uh, worried about that they will be really really uh, putting you at ease and i'm really really hopeful you'll have that experience but whatever happens, even if you feel that, oh, that interview didn't quite go the way I wanted, this is your opportunity to gain. Ask for feedback. And then once you've asked for your feedback, then you can practice it and, and you know, reapply at a later stage or reply with another service. And that way, hopefully, you know, it's, it's all like practice makes perfect. Okay. And I personally, and that's probably what shows how sad I am because I've gone through so many different processes. I always actually ask for mock interviews. And so I asked my um, you know, 
who I trust again. I said, do you mind just setting me up an interview because I'm not very good at it. And actually I sit there in front of my friends and they kind of, you know, set an interview. And then sometimes I sit in the front of the mirror and kind of pretend that I'm in an interview. And so before you know it, I just talk to myself, but it's all about that practice. And sometimes just hearing yourself saying what you're thinking, it's really good and it sort of allows you to kind of think through that kind of thought process that you might experience. And I tell you what, if you can perform well at an interview that's been, you know, facilitated by your family or friends, you'll do really well because that's that's a harder audience to please, really. Okay, so I'll let um, Sarah and, and Nikki opportunity to come in as well. Um, yeah, so I joined the fire service <clears throat> many years ago, <laughs> and things have changed um, a lot in that time. Um, what we're finding nowadays is we're not looking for somebody to fit in. We're looking for somebody that will take us forward. We want to look for somebody. So the recent process that we did in Gloucestershire with our uh, um, firefighters, we were looking for those that fit in. We wanted to see those that could take us in a different direction in, and make us better as a fire service. So this is really your opportunity to sell yourself. It is about you. Um, and I think that's really important. When you come out of this, um, when you come out of this process, you've got to have sold yourself. Some of your examples will be about working as part of a team or um, in the work that you've done that you're currently employed in or at school or, or in some other environment, you'll be part of a team, but it's about what you did as in that team. Not interested about um, how successful the team was, it was your part in making this successful. And um, so I think that's really important. And as Leanne said, practice, don't go into that in to an interview without having stood and talked to yourself and walked around the, the park with your dog talking to yourself about why you deserve the job and how good you are it you know this is what you will be doing because you are up against and um, you know we've got 40 fantastic people sat with us now you know in this room here you all want a job and, and it is a competition we want to see that and, and you need to be able to be comfortable about talking about yourself as Liana said, again, go back over your application because, again, in Gloucestershire recently, we used part of that application um, for people to tell us about themselves, what they'd written in their application form. We weren't asking them to recite it, but we said, well, you've written this here. What does that mean? Tell me a bit more about it. So it, it's got to be true it, to you. You've got to be true to the process. Um, and you've got to understand what you're going to do. Um, if it was any other job in the world, you would investigate the organization the company the business who it was you're working for what the location was what the shift patterns are you want to go into this this interview the same way you need to know what shift patterns are you need to know um <clears throat> when you're expected to be at work but also at the interview don't be afraid to ask questions it's about you finding out about us as much as it is about us finding out about you okay and that's it from me very briefly just reiterating what's been said practice 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 that's that's the most important thing you can do, especially if you're not used to this kind of um, interview technique, because it can be very intense when you're in that room and you know how much you want that job. So practice, practice, practice. That's it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Nikki. And that's pretty much it, because I mean, I wanted to leave 10, 15 minutes for questions. And today's presentation was more kind of, you know, our kind of, you know, input. And this is your opportunity to make it a bit more interactive, because that's kind of, you know, what has worked for us. But we want to know about your own experiences and perhaps, you know, what kind of um, things have kind of worked for other people. And I don't know, depending on how many questions come in and how interactive you are, but, you know, please, please ask questions uh, because this is your session. And, you know, I can share my journey, what has worked 
for me and Sarah can share hers and Nicholas can share hers, but that really we want to know a bit more about kind of you and what, what sort of things have you done and um, how we can support you better as well. So I don't know if we've got any questions in the chat bar, uh, Sarah, if you start with those and then uh, take it from there. Okay, so now we've got some questions coming in. Uh, I'll answer a very quick one. Is it worth getting in touch with my local station to ask specific questions about the brigade? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And if you don't get a great deal of help from a station, then contact the HR at your local service and they will be helpful. Has anybody got anything to add to that? No, it's exactly. those stations are used to people literally knocking on the door. That's what I did when I first joined, knocked on my local fire station door um, and said, can I have come and have a look around? They went, yeah, come in. Uh, do you want a cup of tea? Um, sat down, talked about stuff because firefighters do like to talk. Um, told us all about what they did and and went through the process and to be honest they sort of supported me through the whole application phase because at different points they were interested in how I'd done so yeah go to the station as as we've said if you can't get in touch with them go to HR or somebody you somebody will give you advice they really will I mean, I personally as well, you know, I don't know if some of you might be uh, applying for Encore whole time because we have two different duty systems. And quite often, you know, if you have go to your local station and, you know, maybe they might not be recruiting for whole time, but there might be opportunity to buy uh, to become an Encore firefighter. And the, the processes are very similar. And sometimes there's opportunity to just transfer from one duty system to another. So, again, by getting to know your local crew it's a fantastic opportunity to find out you know all these things and get to know them and, and i personally you know went to all the on-call training nights for um you know the first year before i even you know kind of reapplied just to find out a bit more you know about the service and uh, what the kind of you know what the local risks are and so on so we can it will definitely benefit i'm mindful that at the moment with the sort of covid restrictions so just double check that they are allowed to have you there but you know there are open days there's stations of community engagement days so there will be opportunities at your local station and i always encourage that okay right from angela i'm aware things like volunteering or general work in the community would be a big asset in the application however how likely is it for someone without that experience to still get the job is it less likely but still possible or does it lower your chances a lot well what i'd say is get out there now and get some <laughs> that, that would be my advice <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say it's going to put you at any <clears throat> any sort of lesson of an advantage if you've got examples elsewhere. Um, you know, it will depend on your circumstances. Um, if you haven't got time to physically go out and volunteer uh, because of the work that you do, because of your, your other commitments, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, if you've got the opportunity to go and do it, that's fine. It's more about being aware of what how your community operates and what's important in your community. If you are out and about and amongst it, you're given an example of your commitment to it, and maybe that example would fall in line with give us an example of a time where you've worked as part of a team and you would use that example um, so I wouldn't say you're any less likely or less chance but um, it won't wouldn't hurt to go out and, and, and do it um, in, in whatever respect so as long as you've got other examples that you can think of that shouldn't um, hold you back. Yeah, and I agree with what's been said, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everyone's circumstances is different and, you know, you might not have the opportunity. So, and it's about, you know, you just need to then concentrate on other things that you can bring to the fire service. And it's about that. I mean, you already had the session on the sort of uh, uh, role of 
firefighters and the service, and hence we didn't go into so much detail. But just to reiterate, just in case if some people uh, weren't part of those first two sessions, the role of a firefighter, and it's, it's showing that awareness. So it's not just about the fighting fires or responding to operational incidents or flooding or rescues. The big part is the community focus. And that's why if you're already part of any kind of community support groups, it just gives you that kind of, in a sense, you you have that awareness but actually if you show the understanding of how your local station or how your service is actually supporting the community covid response you know actually not many people are aware that you know firefighters were driving ambulances delivering ppes running vaccination clinics that's a fantastic example how we supported our local communities so even though you might not be part of that physical sort of activity you are aware of that community engagement you know, in some services, we provide telecare response. Telecare, or, you know, again, it might be called different different areas, but that's kind of, if somebody has fallen or somebody is experiencing cardiac arrest, you're providing that emergency medical response. You're the first one to respond to that, you know, a lifeline call. So again, you know, if you go there and talk about the role of a firefighter and focus on that operational side, great to have that awareness but actually sometimes if you show that awareness how we support other communities it will just give you that kind of a bit more you know make you sort of stand out a little bit more so it's not about you necessarily doing that community work but having that awareness Thank okay you. right so we've got about eight questions so I think we're gonna have mm. to give quite shortish answers but actually some of these a lot of these will sort of mm -hmm. there'll be elements that have already been answered so next one from Rosie, does it matter if examples are quite old since I've been off having children, my options have been more limited and I understand your anxiety there and we do like examples to be relatively recent, but a bit like Liana was just saying there, if you can link things that you've done in your past and how that relates to what you would do in your future and um, the current work we're doing, I think that would be a really strong, that would show your understanding, it showed that you, you have worked like that before. Anybody else? And I just okay. wanted to come in, if you're a mum, that's the hardest and the most challenging job in the world. So again, that will make you different because I'm a mum and, you know, some of you might have children as well. So don't think, oh, I'm a mum and I haven't done any kind of paid work. You're a mum, you're a hero. And so use that as an example as well. You know, the kind of perhaps, you know, the challenges and barriers of being a mum because of, you know, the COVID restrictions and perhaps you've done homeschooling. So, yeah, be proud that you're a mum and, and kind of use that as an example as well. Okay, because we like mature applicants with some life experiences as well. Uh, is there anywhere that has practiced aptitude tests? Oh, Tom, yes, yeah, sorry, you put it in a name. Um, yeah, poor Tom, he's a, he, he hasn't been able to change his name yet. So every week he comes on and uh, <laughs> my sister's name's Nina, it's a lovely name. Um, look online. Um, I just literally get on there and Google. Um, there's lots of resources out there. I can't think of any particular ones but usually when I've googled I've, I've found some um Leanna and Nicola have you got any yeah, I particular but um yeah just go online you'll find them that they they do come up really quickly yeah. don't get hung up on them don't don't um you know don't really don't get hung up on on it I maybe have a look at it see what it is and then fit it to you rather than getting hung up on what the actual what they're asking because you might be going down the wrong path Zeta says that this presentation was extremely helpful but now I'm proper nervous well Zita I don't know if you're in a current process now what we're trying to do is we're trying to give you that base layer because like us I mean I, I applied I don't know how many times I applied before I actually got in like four or five times it is a lot of work and what we're trying to do is we're trying to really sort of cementing you that 
this is not just a job application where you just oh just have a go at and uh, expect to get anywhere you've really got to put that work into it so we're telling you now so the things that you do from now on in if you have an opportunity in your current role or at college you can sort of think right am I going to use this when I go for my application and so that's why we're trying to make it as detailed as we are it's not to scare you but it's kind of like to get your mind into that right okay how can I get everything out of the little examples of everything that I'm doing yeah and just go for it be yourself you'll be fab yeah, absolutely okay Jenna going to stations even with COVID restrictions phone up your station see what they're doing that's the best way is there a different application process if you're wanting to work in the rescue dog unit uh <laughs> Dog units that are few and far between, a lot of them are attached to the USAR, Urban Search and Rescue, which is, and that entry is still firefighter, and once you're a firefighter you can apply. Uh, places like West Mids, their dog handler is a non-uniform, so he has actually come through a, a dog training, um, so that would be very particular. As I say, there's probably, in the UK at the moment, there's probably, I don't know, less than 20 dog units. It, it's not something that is everywhere. Uh, like my service doesn't have one. Um, smaller use services don't, but doesn't mean you can't, but it is generally through that route of be a firefighter and then you can go off into other directions. When it comes to the application form, this is from Jack. Is there any possibility of receiving support from the service? Currently a local charity is assisting me, but I thought it would be useful to ask the service directly as I do struggle with answering broad questions. And again, that, I think that goes back to kind of being in touch with your recruitment team. Uh, so I have been part of what we call like a, a sort of a virtual style kind of workshops and some services sort of um, deliver that. And so that's your opportunity or some services actually run like have a go sessions where you can come to the station and actually practice some, you know, interview techniques or you might have an application form as a sort of little workshop. So again, check with your actual service what they offer. I mean, there isn't that capacity, you know, because if we were kind of to you know, look at your individual application form and then it's almost like we have to make it fair for everyone else, then we're almost saying, well, actually, if we looked at your application form, we might have to look at another 900. So, uh, you, you know, you might have, you might know somebody from the fire service or somebody with that background, you can ask them to proofread your application if you've got that kind of connection already. But it's quite difficult, even when you are kind of, if we are part of a panel, we have to kind of detect ourselves so we can't really like proofread other people's application forms because then that's that conflict of interest uh, but yeah I mean every service will be different but there will be um, support available to you in in a form of like you know they might run a session which will be generic and outline you know what they're expecting great okay I'm gonna answer a very quick one from Gia how long are the interviews and can you ask to see questions beforehand at some services are there other things on assessment days apart from interviews? Yes, generally they're all different. They will give you full instructions and it's usually uh, something like a role play or a group discussion or uh, a briefing. They'll give you some information and then uh, the interviews are generally around 45 minutes. I've never seen one that because that's usually about five or six questions. Now I've made that quite a quick answer because yeah, every every single one will be different. So they will give you full instructions. So the longer uh, answer uh, is from Jade. How many days would you say the application process generally stays open for? My area's applications open 23rd of July. I have a mock form prepared, but I'm worried if a question is completely new to the ones I've practiced, then I need not rush and make sure I answer the best. It'll be um, 
down to the, the services need. I mean, our initial application recently was open from January time, wasn't it, Liana? I think yeah. it was, um, it closed um, end of February, beginning of March. So you're talking at least a month generally to be open. So four weeks is, is plenty enough time to, to actually fill out a form. And if you've got something prepared and there is something different, it gives you loads of time to be able to, to just tweak it. All I'd say is don't leave it to the last minute. Um, you know, go and give yourself a deadline of a week before to have it completed, even if you haven't submitted it then. But don't don't sit on it. Not no one, no service will run a short um, application process for um, initial firefighters. Different roles and ranks might be different, but initially you were, you're going to be looking at at least four weeks from that first opening stage to the closing of the application. Yeah, actually, sorry, it was a quick question. I was expecting I'd read it wrong when I first uh, saw that. Because <laughs> I was, I thought it said, how long does it take to fill in an application form? So sorry about that. Yeah, no, Jade, it should, should uh, Jade just put thank you. I was panicking. It was only going to be around a week. You can ask, you can ask. I mean, it, it will say what the closing date is on it as well. So it'll go live on the 23rd and it should tell you on that, what that closing date is. But as Liana said, don't rush to, to put it in, even if you've got something um, ready. Um, don't don't rush give yourself some time and that is eight o'clock on the dot and I think unless there's any other questions oh can I apply to two different services and I go through another one? Oh, yes you can yeah some, some ask you to declare if you're going for another service um, I think we did recently so our process has just run we did ask if um, you'd applied with us previously and if you were currently going through another process it, it won't stop you um, and it, we didn't mark people down on it it wasn't that it was just so we and Liana said about honesty from the beginning and we uh, the fire services we're under so many different regulations for it we don't do things on a oh we like the look of you or don't like the look of you we have a marking system for everything so don't feel oh I can't say this or I can't say that because we have to operate within very very tight guidelines um, we are governed by all sorts of regulations so it's very much we are just following the rules so don't feel like oh they might not think much of me if I put this don't worry about that just <laughs> we're not we're not allowed to make personal judgments we have marking criteria and that's what we go on uh East Sussex application live from tomorrow oh and they're open for two weeks by the looks of it Maisie thinks that so yeah um each one will be different but they are generally open for quite a while I mean, if no, if you don't have any more questions, and I just wanted to kind of bring it to close, but really personally for me, you know, thank you for listening. I mean, it's been a really, really real pleasure to kind of, you know, see so many people here. It's a shame that it's kind of the circumstance that it's virtual and it's not kind of interactive enough, but I hope you found it useful. And ultimately, you know, there is no one way of doing an application form, you know, there isn't kind of a right or wrong way of doing it, but ultimately I hope you kind of understood the kind of the key messages, just be yourself show us how you are different and you know we really really wish you um good luck and you know as women in the fire service as a sort of a as a support group we're we're here you know uh, you know drop us an email go on our website and sort of you know uh, if, if you need any more support you know we'll be here uh, and really you know it's been our pleasure to deliver this presentation and hopefully we'll see you in the future sessions um you know next week and, and week after all the best from me and hopefully if you come into cambria you know, come and, you know, knock on my door and I'll be there to support you. And if you obviously go to Gloucestershire or Heritage of Worcestershire, we're all here to support you. Yeah, good luck, everybody. Take care. Have a good evening. Good luck. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Women in the Fire Service podcast. We hope you discovered what drives firefighters to do what they do best and that you've been inspired to take the next steps on your journey. In our next episode, we talk about the different career opportunities and varied roles in today's fire service. Women in the Fire Service is a not-for-profit organisation. Want to learn more? Visit wfs.org.uk And remember, there's no such thing as a typical firefighter.